Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's Game of Thrones recap episode here on the Bullpen Cart presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. Had the lovely third and girl, Emily Anderson, with me to recap episode two in season seven of Game of Thrones, Stormborn. As always, go check out the site. Follow us on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, and now enjoy our recap. Welcome to this second Game of Thrones episode of the bullpen cart. People liked it enough last week that we're we're doing another one. And with me this week is not Ryan White, but my lovely girlfriend, Emily Anderson. What's up, Emily? How are you? I'm good, Jordy. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's a... it's been quite the interesting day for us, coming back from Cleveland after a nice time celebrating uh, our buddy Mike and uh, you know his his uh, lovely wife Jill, lovely wife Jill, and their nuptials. Spent a good eight hours in the car. Way longer than it needed to be. Um, you know, we we discovered a lot about Western Pennsylvania. They don't have cell service, and nobody knows how to drive out there. Nope. Yeah, the, as soon as we crossed the midway. Yeah, toll or stop uh, on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. It opened up pretty quickly, and then the rain kind of inhibited a little bit of the. So, like the Harrisburg area was the great opener to a wonderful world of life. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? No, it was still a little bit, still a little west <laughs> of the the state capital. I don't know. About it, that. it was midway. It was right after we got our steak and shake mm. that it started to open up. Um, but yeah, that was that was most of our day on my twenty seventh birthday. Happy birthday! Thank you and for the millionth time, getting uh, some some celebrations there. Got but forty nine minutes left. I do, yeah, um, and it'll definitely be July twenty fourth by the time this goes up. But come home to a new episode of Game of Thrones. We caught it on HBO Go because we got home at like nine thirty. Um, but. Good episode, I'd say. The end, I th- to me at least, saved it a little bit. What did you think? Yeah, I really takeaway. thought for most of it, I was like, this episode is really slow. Yeah. Well, nothing is happening here. Yeah. There were like unnecessary sex scenes, and I'm, I'm never one to say no to a sex scene, but they just were not advancing the plot, and I then the end happened. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to there. So we'll, we'll start right from the beginning. Uh, we start immediately where last week ended in Dragonstone. We have all the cast and characters right there uh, talking with... At the painted table. At the painted table, rather than just, you know, a select few. Uh, Talking about Daenerys' birth in a storm. It's raining outside. Um, Hence uh, Daenerys Stormborn. Yeah, exactly. Um, To be honest, I kind of thought, because, you know, there's sand, there's snow in terms of bastard last names mm-hmm. and you know to hide her identity not necessarily born in a storm but you know in the riverlands or wherever she might have actually been born and maybe it wasn't dragonstone I, I don't know i think she was born in dragonstone yeah it's place well, of her birth <laughs> well this the it was the targaryen house so i didn't anyway <laughs> i thought it was like location rather than weather when they were born not i think the, it, yeah I think it's literal. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> anyway, so for those that are sticking around after that, um, so we, we get a little bit of a little bit of uh, sort of Daenerys kind of pla- sort of reinforcing the troops she's gathered 
Uh, and she does this a couple more times. But the first starts off with Tyrion sort of sort of talking to her about you know, the ideals of whether or not to attack King's Landing and, and you don't want to be the Queen of Ashes is what he says. And we have Varys who... Basically, she calls out for everything that happened in season one. And for those that don't remember, basically, you got a two-minute synopsis of it by Daenerys asking her, you know, who, you know, who you you served Queen Robert as soon as as soon as my dad got killed. You put a hit out on me. You, you know, sold me to call, call Drago to just basically be his wife and bear kids and get raped and all that stuff. You know, and and really, really hammers it, hammers him about it, and he defends himself. He says, "I serve the people of Westeros, um, of ever denying me, when, or in going around and, and conspiring, conspiring around me. You know, just tell me, call me out." After she so bluntly calls him out, which I thought was I thought was pretty interesting. It was a good opening scene, a good way to at least follow up on how last week ended. Yeah, and I like that she was saying. You know, I don't want you to conspire against me. Tell it to my face, and I'm going to tell you to your face. If you do conspire against me, I will burn you alive. Yeah. Like, she's not mincing words. No, no, no. She's, she's being literal right there. And he says, I would expect nothing less from the mother of dragons. Yeah. So I think they have a mutual respect. In I that, would say so. Because he even had a smirk on his face. He's like, I like this. I yeah. like this upfrontness, and we're going to get stuff done. Yeah, I think so, and I think... As, as really the, all the scenes in Dragonstone in the episode kind of build up to, including with, with Melisandre immediately joining uh, moments later, a lot of it is is building up on kind of what the theme of last week was, setting the table for you know the episodes to come and everything there. And there is the sort of the reinforcements of how in the finale last week with Daenerys, how it all kind of just happened. And you don't really get the the backstory of, of how all of this gets put together, um, and you know the, what Ryan and I brought up of how how is everybody you know going bang 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 and travel. Um, but and I think this necessary table setting, and it, it continues that way. And and we go, Melisandre comes, starts talking about Jon Snow, and we have the conversation about the prince or the prince that was that was promised and that as it turned out because it was in high valyrian that it's a genderless noun that's used in this uh, prophecy right so it could be the prince or princess who was promised and danny says she likes the idea of the princess much more yeah um which i've i've listened to a lot of game of thrones podcasts i read a lot i don't know that i've read that before i haven't read that either that it's i think a that's a genderless pronoun so yeah. I'm interested to see on people who are much well versed in this universe and I if that's if that's a show edit or if it is in the books. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see that. I, I also thought it was interesting that Melisandre went back and forth from Valerian to Ink or whatever to whatever they refer to it as English. Yeah. Well, though they don't uh, they don't call it English in the show. It's not England. It's it's not Westerosi, but uh, I think it's common tongue is, is what they've referred to it on the show as. But um, you know, for us, it's English. But I, I thought that was interesting. I, the whole scene where was intriguing to the fact that Tyrion steps up for Jon Snow and, and talks about that, and sort of a lot of season one being brought back into this, which I, I think is on a TV aspect of it is is 
very nice that they're all, they're giving some characters victory laps. We get kind of a close the door with hot pie uh, later in the episode. But I thought this was really just in, intriguing that both the scene that connects to it with John that we see a few minutes later, and this you talk about Tyrion and John's time together and how sort of the seed those seeds that you didn't even think were ever going to come to fruition are starting to in these ever moving pieces that may may not have looked like they'd been moving you know since six years ago are still in the motion and that's the beauty and the genius of this show is that nothing is without a purpose like i still firmly believe that we're gonna see gendry he's coming back for a reason oh yeah like it's happening nothing in this show happens for no reason well i think if if hot pie was the catalyst to get Arya to go back to winterfell I think you're definitely going to see Gendry coming back. Um, but, yeah, so we, we go to, to Winterfell, and we get John, Davos, and Sansa talking about the raven that uh, Daenerys sends out at the end of the previous scene. Basically asking him, D- Tyrion is asking John to come to come take the knee to Daenerys. John looks like he's giving it serious thought, but as he and Sansa are talking about it, it doesn't sound like he's entertaining it. Davos is is taking it pretty seriously. I don't think he would have if Melisandre's name was ever mentioned in that note, which it isn't, but mentioned of the Dothraki, the Unsullied, the dragons are mentioned in there. Um, and, you know, we we learn that dragons breathe fire and fire melts ice. So Shocker. Th- thanks, Davos. Yeah. You know, you really... Chemist. Yeah, he, he taught us. Taught us something there. Um... But yeah, I think the scene was again. It, it kind of builds up to later in the episode when we come back to Winterfell, but sort of setting up the the John Sansa continuing that plot line of them them kind of keeping one another in check in terms of decision making. And it is interesting that the one thing that Sansa keeps going back to is it's too dangerous because their grandfather had been summoned to bend the knee to Danny's grandfather and. They burned him to a crisp. So yeah. there, there's a history of a Targaryen on on Stark fire violence. Yeah. Jon Snow, Jon Stark, Jon Targaryen. But um, yeah, so they think it's it's too dangerous. And there is there is some text in there of Tyrion reusing things that he'd said to Jon, kind of just to confirm that this is a real note. This isn't yeah. a trick. This isn't Cersei sending a from Tyrion letter to trick yeah. him into a blackmail. And Sansa even says, you know, Tyrion was always kind to me. He's not the same as the other Lannisters. Yeah, the other Lannisters. But there's still skepticism there, obviously. Yeah, and and we'll, we come back to it later in the yeah, episode. It comes full circle. It comes, definitely comes full circle. Um, but it's interesting sort of how the, the different pieces on the board, both literally and figuratively, are starting to develop. Um, and I think this is at least a, a good setup scene to... You know, twenty minutes later, but we go down to King's Landing and we see Cersei announcing that you know to the lords that have in the past traditionally gone you know sided with House Tyrell in, in political matters and calls out you know that da- Daenerys is at Dragonstone and and talks about that a little bit, but then tries to convince them you know sort of ironically from her very very public craziness on display of blowing up the sept at the end of last season to pointing out and bringing the information to the table that you know that Daenerys isn't too far from her father in terms of how she ruled 
Which is an interesting way, you know, in a lot of different texts that you might have read or podcasts you might have listened to of, of saying, you know, Daenerys isn't necessarily the full hero by the way she's done this. Now it's being brought up on the show, and it's an interesting argument that Cersei makes. Like, hey, you know, she basically went into a city, took it over, burned anybody that didn't want to follow her, and then, you know, and, you know basically ruled with an iron fist, and she fed him. If she just got tired of flying around on the dragon's back, burning people. And it is interesting because we're used to watching the show kind of from a Team Danny perspective. And then all of a sudden you realize that there is another side to it. Not necessarily that I'm ever going to side with Cersei in my life. But, you know, there's always two sides to every story. She she killed all the lords at Slaver's Bay and she yeah. let the slaves free. Like, that's not something that the lords of... The yeah. bannermen of House Tyrell want to hear. That's not someone yeah. that they're necessarily going Selective to Selective information that they're throwing out Exactly. There. So it's just an interesting way to present everything. Yeah, and everybody's everybody's talking about, oh, you know, these dragons are undefeatable. And, and we hear Queeburn immediately go, well, we're working on a way to combat the dragons. And we come back to see what that is. The mega crossbow, which... Uh, Could puncture a dragon skeleton. Yeah, we see it with the... The dragon bones that had originally, before Robert's Rebellion, uh, decorated the the Iron Throne Room, uh, and we see that this is the dragon that was that the Targaryens flew over on. Its flames helped to uh, make the Iron Throne, and this mega crossbow, which is probably six feet in length, it's big. It's big. Uh, it fires an arrow that punctures and goes through uh, this dragon's skull. So it's be interesting to see how that turns around, if they're going to build a fleet of those to, to man the walls on the Red Keep. Uh, but we'll see that come back around. Um, but interesting character that is amongst the lords who Jamie goes to talk to for a little bit. But it's Lord Randall Tar- Tarly. Excuse me. I'm more into his son Dickon. Yeah, Dickon. <laughs> But this is this is Sam's dad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so Sam's dad has has reemerged, and he and Jamie have a have an interesting conversation, sort of trying to convince some of these lords, these allies that the Lannisters desperately need to you know, be a part of their army for the war that's to come. He Jamie offers Lord Randall a uh, the position as high general in the army. I need you right next to me, and. You know, Lord Lord Tarly is not really having it. He points out, you know, our name means something. We don't. We don't break oaths. We don't, we don't break slay oaths. Kings. We don't slay kings. We don't slit women's throats at weddings. You invited them to. Basically, calls out the Lannisters for all their dirty, dirty tricks they've gotten to uh, that they've used to get themselves to the point that they are. Um, and I thought it was it was pretty. It was. Pretty interesting. I did think that one one line that that I caught that Jamie uses that uh, kind of my Island of Misfit Toys analogy that I made last week, uh, but in a much more elegant way. Jamie refers to Daenerys and her troops as the fallen south savages and eunuchs. So referring, do you fight with us or do you fight with savages and eunuchs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But referring to the Dothraki and that they've never come to the Westeros and the Unsullied and, and all these different things. But it was an interesting, 
interesting little bit. It'd be it'll be uh, it'll be cool to see how how this goes forward. Just because I mean, it it basically from what we've seen in the previews that there's going to be some type of battle where Jamie's trying to fight a dragon, maybe with the mega crossbow in the background. Uh, maybe he's going to finish the job. Who knows? Now we actually have a little more, little more Lannister, you know, a few more points there. The line is starting to come back to the middle, uh, rather than heavy, heavy favorite on the dragons. But we move quickly down to Sam and see him. Uh, we see him, him and the Archmaester talking to Jorah. We find out that he, you know, he is really, really grayscaled out. Up. It was really sad. It was pretty sad. All the way, it looks almost like actual armor. All the way down his chest, on his arms. Uh, we find out that he would have about ten years until he died, but six months until he goes full Stone Man. Brain, you know, brain power starts going. Um, and Sam mentions that he, you know, has looked into a cure. He mentions um, uh, he mentions Shireen Baratheon, uh, Stannis's daughter, who. Had, had gotten some type of cure, at least a way to stave off the infection as a kid. I mean, he goes, does this look like a baby girl to you? No, it's a grown man. And sort of that snappy way that in the episode and a half that we've seen of the of the Archmaester, we've, we've grown to know him for. Um, the worst part was when Jorah's talking to the Archmaester about his options, and the Archmaester says, like, you know, well, basically we're going to send you to live with the Stone Men in a couple days but he's like since you're a knight like i'll give you one more day and, and the camera like pans over to the to sword, sword kind yeah. of like if you want to t- to end it now and not live that life like i'm giving you time to do that and yeah. i was like my heart broke yeah which is pretty sad and, and that kind of comes back to the whole you know honor amongst you know the, the lords and knights and sort of that that ethos that we've sort of come to see in game of thrones and in one way or the other and and we come back to Old Town and, and Sam mentioning that he's read about finding a cure and that, as it's pointed out, that there's been two cases where it has been cured. One case where it wasn't was the guy who discovered this. He died of grayscale. Uh, and in great irony, Sam still rebels and gives Jorah this procedure that is banned. Sam is becoming like a bit of a badass. He's, well, it's good. He's not following any He's coming rules. into his own. He is. I he's like it. He's coming into his own. Um, his dad might be proud now. Maybe. He might have been like, "Oh, let's, we shouldn't have sent you to, the, to take the black." But um, yeah, so it's basically peeling off the the hardened scales. I couldn't watch. Yeah, it was pretty pretty grotesque scene. Uh, but he's he made this ointment. Um, so basically, the callous gray scales take it off, slab the ointment on, and hopefully that staves off the you know the raw infection. Fingers crossed. Um, be interesting. It, it'd be hard to think that you spent so many scenes in the library and Sam doing all of this that it's not going to at least have a temporary effect. We also saw in the in the previously on scenes, you see the scene where Danny sends Jorah away and yeah. she commands him to find a to cure. To find a cure. And he's writing a letter to her. When we, Sam comes in. When Sam comes in. And we don't know if that's a suicide note. We don't know if it's a... You know, I went to the Citadel to try to find a cure, and, and it was unsuccessful, and this is what they've sentenced me to. And We don't know. I mean, there's probably somebody that screen-grabbed it, so you could get a little bit of an idea. Uh, we do not have that type of technology here at our uh, North Philadelphia apartment. We don't even have HD. Well, no, we did for this, because we watched it on HBO Go, so the PlayStation took care of that. So thanks, Sony. Um, but 
So we come back to Dragonstone, and now we have the full cast of characters that Daenerys has, has recruited. We have Yara, we have Alaria, we have <laughs> Lady Olena. Lady Olena. So many lady bosses. <clears throat> it's great. Yeah, and it was, and it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was four women with some dudes in the background, but four women basically just debating on what are we doing. You have Yara immediately saying we need to attack. Winterfell. This Things is what landing. we. Jeez, oh, I, I did this too. I wrote Winterfell mistakenly and crossed out to write King's Landing. We need to attack King's Landing, and we need to. You know, this is what we need to do. The city will be down in days. And Tyrion kind of reiterates, we don't want to be. You know, we don't. We don't want to do that. You know, we don't want to. You know, we don't. We want people for her to rule, and and Daenerys quickly echoes the "I don't want to rule ashes." phrase that Tyrion said earlier in the episode uh we see Tyrion and Ilaria having uh choice words for one another about you know the the killing of Marcella uh the end of season five and how Oberlin died and and stuff like that so Lannister and Martell's coming you know coming to blows in the in the verbal altercation way but then Tyrion sort of unveils the master plan they're going to have the Greyjoys go down to Dorne, get the Dornish army, and along with the Tyrell army, attack King's Landing, which I thought was interesting. It was a great point by, Tyr- by Tyrion. Uh, you don't want the foreigners attacking it. You want people within the country so that the, the points that, that his siblings are making of, you know, we, you know, this is a foreign army and it's foreign invaders, but if it's domestic, it's not a big deal. Right. No. They, don't, they don't want to make Cersei's point for her. Exactly. Uh, but then the other half of it is to send the, the Unsullied to Castle Rock and really just cut off all, all Lannister power at its roots. Um, and we saw a lot of that in both the preview of the season and the preview on next week. So it looks like that's coming to Which a head. we haven't seen Casterly Rock. No. So we haven't. look for a new place on the credit map. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. I never even thought about that. Um, but then we, after this sort of this war room discussion breaks up, we see Daenerys hang out <coughs> with Olena Tyrell, and they discuss they they discuss you know, hey, I'm and I don't want to guess how old she is, but in her seventies, eighties, who knows? Time, who knows? Time is odd in, in yeah, it's, yeah, it's what. The concept of time, very odd. But I've outlived them all. Yeah, I think all I got, of these clever men. I got her quote. She says, uh, "Danny asked to speak with her privately and yeah, just to see." Um, she's talking about that they're going to get revenge on the Lannisters yeah. for what they did um, to her grandkids, right? And, and her son. Her son's there, too. Yeah. yeah, and she's Lady Elena says, He's a clever man, your hand. I've known many clever men. I've outlived them all. Why? I've ignored them. Yep. The lords of Westeros are sheep. Are you a sheep? No, you're a dragon. Be, Be a, a dragon. dragon. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how this comes back around when, as we see at the end of the episode, Tyrion's grand plan has already kind of been taken off the rails. Yeah. So... Does, does Danny get her dragon on and just decide to do what she wants? I think so. I mean, obviously, this is now revisionist history taking over mm-hmm. and seeing that you know the what happened to the Greyjoys. Obviously, we're still going to see from the 
next time on that the the we're going full steam ahead with the unsullied to Casterly Rock. Um, and as that's starting to come into play, we see Grey Worm and Misandra, um, you know, have a little Top Gun moment. I don't know what the point of this was. Yeah, I, I mean, it was kind of... I think it's like fandom, fan yeah, service, a lot maybe? of fan service. Yeah, and, um, that's got to be what it is. Because um, it was a weird... It literally is almost shot for shot, just a little bit different lighting <laughs> than the Top Gun sex scene. Have you, and, uh, I've seen Top Gun, but I, I don't, don't have it framed, the sex scene framed in my it's mind. It's pretty... Uh, Pretty graphic. Oh. Um, just no nudity. This had nudity in yes. it. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we we go to Aria as, really as the, we come back to Old Town and that's when Sam's doing his mm-hmm. procedure and it immediately smash cuts to Aria digging into, or actually uh, some soldiers that are going to King's Landing, digging into some pies at the shop that we last found our friend Hot Pie. They're really killing the, the gruesome, like, sharp cuts this season. There's been a lot of them. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Good editing. Yeah. They, they want to get some Emmys. They want those Emmys. They want to get some Emmys. They don't have enough. Um, yeah, they want to they want to set the bar high for the next next big cultural phenomenon. But yeah, so Arya meets, re-meets Hot Pie, and Hot Pie's all excited to see her. And Arya has this kind of... She's just so... At least how I interpret it, because she is this kind of, she's giving one word answers, she's kind of staring off. She gets a thing of beer and chugs it immediately, which go Aria for uh, chugging. But she, you know, she's so focused and fixated on killing Cersei that she, that's all she's focused on. And then Hot Pie goes, Well, why aren't you, I'm surprised you're not going to your home to Winterfell. She's like, Why? The, the Boltons have it. No. Didn't you know about the Battle of the Bastards? Which I found really interesting. She knew that Cersei blew up the Sept, but not that her brother won this huge battle <coughs> with her basically cousin's troops in the in the you know sweeping way of, of winning winning this battle. But you f- still find out about Cersei. But regardless of of whether or not one news travels how versus another. Her attitude immediately changes. She loves this, and you just see this look of glee on her face that you haven't really seen from Arya in a long time. You saw that kind of that smile last week when she killed all the uh, the phrase, but not really this look of genuine happiness. Which is it's great for her. She's gone through not as much as her sister, but she's gone through a bunch of stuff. She's gone to different continents. She's you know, got the shit kicked out of her. She got stabbed. I mean, she's she's magic now. She's magic, and you know, so she good for Arya. And we've you know, we eventually see her in Nymeria come back together. Um, so she she's had a, a big transform transformative scene uh, mm-hmm. for her, or and transformative episode. And it'll be interesting to see when she does indeed come back to Winterfell. Yeah, how that how that plays um, with her siblings what that dynamic will be as John and Sansa have really been spending time in like the political realm of things where Arya's kind of just been on a vigilante mission. Yeah. So I don't know how, if the three of them work together, how that happens. Yeah. It'll be interesting, especially because the last time we really saw Arya and Sansa together, they hated each other. And they're babies. And they're babies. Yeah. I mean, the season one, 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I mean, presumably they all think she's dead. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. Same same with Bran. Um, yeah, why is no one sent a raven from the wall that Bran's there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. What's Ed doing? Yeah, Ed. Ed, you're not, you're fucking up. That's <laughs> fucking up. Um, but yeah, so we, we go to, back to Winterfell, and we get <clears throat> John immediately getting Sam's raven about the Dragonstone at, or dragon glass at Dragonstone, and he decides to, in front of all the lords, uh, in a meeting at Winterfell, to accept the invitation to go meet Daenerys, and a lot of people hate this idea. Yeah, not not a popular idea. Really hate this idea. Even our girl Leanna Mormon, she even hates the idea, and she's usually yelling at some people and I love her so verbal. Much verbally ripping some ripping dudes a new one five uh, times her age yeah five times her age and she she even thinks this is a bad idea um but say, you're the king of the north your place is in the north yeah that's the basic synopsis basic synopsis you're i believe sansa says you're abandoning your people and john's really thought this through he he knows you know i'm not a, there's there's only one stark here so we might as well leave that person in charge. Mm-hmm. And Sansa's taken aback by it, but there's one person who loves this. No. I hate him. Lord Peter Baelish. I hate him. Lord Peter. He's so creepy. Well, he creeps on, and we finally get, in the next scene, we finally get his, like, real, just real, like, despicable, whatever his, however his wheels are turning and whatever slime makes them work that's it's not oil it's some bile yeah. crap that makes those gears turn and he comes to find john in front of ned stark's in the crypt. like you're not yeah. you're not a stark you're, yeah, not, you're allowed not allowed to down be down there. there yeah and john immediately is like fuck you you're not allowed here. i have nothing to say to i have you. nothing to say to you and baelish is trying to creep and be like my intentions are pure he's basically trying to like he's trying to ask john can I, can, you know, is it okay for me and Sansa to be together? And Sansa, for one, doesn't want any of this. Yeah. And John immediately comes yeah. in. He with says, the I, lo- I love Sansa as I loved her mother. Yeah. Like, one, ew. And five minutes ago, he's talking about how Kat Hated didn't him. like John. Yeah, oh yeah. I loved, I love your sister. Like, I love the woman that just despised you when you were growing up. Um, up until the point of of her death, when she even she even like kind of mentions like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been that mean to John. Oh, dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, as we see at the end of the scene, Davos and John leave to go to Dragonstone. Meet, yeah, to go meet Danny, and Sansa looks on, and they're both like, oh, bye, bye. And Sansa's kind of like, all right, now what? But we see Baelish creeping in creeping the background, up. rubbing his neck, like. Yeah. Mm, no. Yeah, I mean, so that'll be that'll be a plot line that, as it develops, definitely have some twists and turns. That's there's no way a that he's only Sansa all the time. What what's going on in the Vale? What well, is? I don't know. Yeah, we are we gonna get get their cousin? Is he gonna that weird kid? The weird kid. I'm forgetting his name. Um uh something Aaron. Yeah. Robin Aaron. Robin. Robin Aaron. Um but yeah, are we gonna get him again? 
Because um, I can't imagine Peter being like, this is actually a good idea, leaving him wanna, by himself. And well, taking all of his knights away. I just want to push Baelish out the moon door. Maybe that's how the show ends. Or at least his... <laughs> I want that, that's how the show uh, ends. Like, it's supposed to... It's it's the... Pick a color. That wedding. Red <laughs> wedding, too. Yeah. Um, I lied. <laughs> Kicked him out. Uh, but yeah, so we we come to the final scene, the scene that for me saved the episode, and I think you you agree. We started in the Iron Fleet. We You're have skipping the Nymeria scene. Oh yeah, that's a good point. We mentioned it. We can dive that's into a it. Big one. It is a big scene. Do you want? Do you want to take us through it? Sure. So Arya's like in is in the woods, and she's making her camp, and all these wolves come up, and she first she's scared, and then this big big giant direwolf comes up and obviously she recognizes it as Nymeria who Arya had to send away in the first season because she knew that Cersei would kill her. She throws rocks at her and says you gotta get out of here. She loves her so much. And she's looking at Nymeria and you know Nymeria recognizes her and Arya wants her to come with her to Winterfell so badly you know come be, be by my side again. I'm going home. Like we can go home. And Nymeria just turns around and leaves her and leaves all the and all the wolves leave her too she keeps her safe and at first Arya just looks so devastated but then she says that's not you and that it's a callback to the first season when Ned is telling Arya these stories about lords and ladies and being in fancy dresses and that's the life she should leave and Arya says that's not me yeah you know Arya's Sent Nymeria away, yeah. and now she, this is her life. Her life isn't in Winterfell. She she's doing the exact same thing that Arya's doing. Yeah, and it kind of shows that you know they're not together, but they're meant to be. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was definitely it's transformative. I mean, I think the whole both scenes that we got out of Arya, she went from this woman on a mission to complete her list, the list that we've seen her however many times. Say over and over, you know, Cersei, the Hound, uh, Walder Frey, and yeah, and so on and so forth. And she's accomplished everything except for Cersei, and and technically the Hound in, in the Mountain. But uh, I think that the Hound kind of got himself off the list, and the Mountain will he'll take that will take care of itself, I'm sure. But I, I just thought it was super interesting that that <clears throat> by finding out that her family isn't entirely obliterated. Because I think that's what she honestly thought. She mm-hmm. didn't know what happened to Sansa after, you know, Ned died. She probably just thought she became a Lannister because she loved Joffrey so much, and we all know how that turned out. She assumed that John was, you know, with the Night's Watch, and he abandoned the family, quote unquote, abandoned. He knew Rob died. He knew that her mom died. He knew she knew. Or at least thought that Brandon Rickon died because of what Theon had told everybody that they that they were dead. Um, so and very obviously she didn't know that Rickon was was alive because she didn't even know anything about the Battle of the Bastards. So I think just this fact that this whole vigilante justice path that she's been on can be over, and I can just go home and be with the family I have is just so heartwarming for her and it's it's it's, she can kind of regroup and figure out what her next plan is and and 
if John could come over, come, you know, come through those small odds, maybe he can come through the small odds against Cersei. Yeah, I'm just hoping that after last week, you know, Arya, it was really dark where she was. It seemed like yeah. she seemed to, and, and not that the phrase didn't, you know, deserve getting justice upon them, but she really seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, in like a very dark way, and yeah. I don't. I just hope that. You know, going home, maybe there's a, there's some type of redemption arc for Arya a little bit, but I also kind of feel like that that vigilante part is kind of really deep inside her now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how she balances the two going yeah. forward. Oh, that's a great point. Um, so yeah, now we get to the final scene, um, and this is it. Really came out of nowhere. It really did come out of nowhere. I mean, I honestly thought coming into it being like there's going to be some twist. And I, I, to be honest, when the first shots got fired, I thought that's they were going to end it there, and they were just going to come in and show the fight in the next episode. Because I don't um, think we got any any scenes of this battle. No, in last in any trailers. The only thing that we got out of it was the Yara Alaria kiss. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it was talking about. You know, sort of how. Theon is, is going to be the advisor to Yara and Our basically protector. protector and all this stuff. And really seeing that, you know, that Theon has come back from, from Reek. And that's basically what this scene boils down to. But Euron immediately sniffs out where this Iron Fleet is. And his Iron Fleet comes in and immediately, immediately takes control of this fight. And he proves the psychomaniac that we saw in the throne room that he talked about. He's a savage. Is real. He backed it up and then some. He comes in with with this... Plank. Plank. It's not even a plank. It's It looks like it should be the mast of the boat. But it comes flying down. It kills a guy because it has spikes at the end of it. Of course it does. No. Yeah. Comes in with his battle axe, which for one, let's let's all take a minute to appreciate the battle axe on a boat. Like you'd think, like oh yeah, pirate sword, something like that. Because I believe in the books, not a book reader, but I, I, the whole concept of Euron Greyjoy was that he's like this well-known sea pirate, basically. Yeah. Um, so now you're actually seeing it. You're seeing swashbuckling psycho that he is. Comes in with his battle axe. Beats the shit out of everybody and just looks like he's having a hell of a time. Doing yeah, it. I I uh, compared him. He reminded me of the Joker, like the Heath Ledger Joker from Dark Knight. Like yeah, he was like laugh. maniacally laughing and just like having a great time murdering yeah. people. And it was cr- he was crazy. Yeah. So he basically demolishes a lot of of the crew and, and everything. And the Sand Snakes actually come to the aid. They're in the bottom of the ship and. It's two on one, and he quickly, quickly dispatches both of them. Impales yeah. one, chokes the other out with her own whip, and then hangs them right off the boat. And you know, puts the whip at the end, of, at the end, of, the end of the boat, and puts the impalement, impalement on top of it. Um, and as the fight goes on, you see Theon fighting, you see Yara fighting, and. Yara and, and Euron basically stare each other down, and Yara tackles him. And Euron quickly gains control of this fight as 
we see in the bot in the bottom of the boat, Alaria gets captured along with the third and final Sand Snake. Um, but as Yara Yara is getting held, Theon realizes this and stares down Euron, and Euron calls him a cockless coward and tells him, "Come on, charge in with Save the axe, sister. the axe to his sister's throat." And we just see Theon kind of look around and go from. Never really had the cocky face that he had up until he was captured um, in this new iteration of Theon Greyjoy, but there was still like you know kind of this you know like hey you know I went I've seen some shit look to back to just the reek stare and, and the shakes and, and the, the shakes the... basically PTSD yeah and he jumps in the water and that's when you get the maniacal laugh. Which full full Joker and they capture two of Daenerys's generals. We'll call them Yara and Ilaria. Gone, and we don't have this idea of having the Dornish troops. We don't. I'm gonna assume we did not get to Dorne because they talked about you know what what they're gonna show the Greyjoys when they get to Dorne and yeah. whatnot. So I mean that idea is just completely gone. You know, who knows if the Dornish troops would just march up. Um, it looks like it's possible. It just would take way longer, I guess, than on a map of Westeros, I'm thinking, than taking a boat from point A to point B. Um, but at least right now, that idea is out of the pic- out of the question. Yeah, and there's it's also a matter of, you know, getting that information to Danny because the only person really left alive from this siege is Theon, and he's floating in the ocean. Yeah. So, Maybe I Maybe that's how Gendry comes back in. Gendry... Picks him up in his rowboat. Gendry, Gendry in his rowboat gets Theon. <laughs> I literally thought that, yeah. too. I was like, Gendry can come. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I this whole time I really thought this was, you know... We always know in Game of Thrones we're going to lose people, and I was said, I was like, we're not making this battle out alive with... With, with both Greyjoys. With both Greyjoys, and I said... You know, after that protector scene, you know, I I thought yeah. that Theon was gonna sacrifice himself in a way for Yara, but it was actually the opposite. I'm still in the redemption arc for Theon Greyjoy, though. I think we're getting it at some point. Well, in this almost seals that of it's gonna come down to probably something where like Theon Ur- and Euron like kill each other in a la- like in a fight for it for it a similar scene something like that you know. Some type of, of you know bookend to this yeah. major plot point. Um, it will be interesting to see how Theon goes because we don't really know where they are right. in terms of how far they are from Dragonstone to King's Landing or to Dorne. You want to think that they probably had just left, so they're probably like Euron pro- might have been going to Dragonstone, and that's how they found one another. Yeah. Um, so it'll be. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Like you said, he's the only one that's still alive um, and not captured. Uh, but if he shows up at Dragonstone, if he shows up at King's Landing, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. But in terms of next week, not a ton that we got in the preview. Uh, ex- except that John does arrive. So excited! Yeah, we do get though. We mentioned it: the Unsullied at Casterly Rock. We get a few other scenes. Really, just though, like we've seen in a lot of the previews recently, a lot of quick cuts. Uh, a lot of people, you know, we see Sansa walking away from the uh, the the 
old gods, the the the, tr- the werewood. That's what it was. Um, we and a few other you know, sort of smash cuts like that. I literally don't remember anything except yeah, John I'm trying and Danny. To, it was so exciting. Yeah, which will be very exciting to see. Um, knowing that it's probably the last scene, and we could see it. So, shall we begin? Like Ugh. we did in the premiere. Um, but that that's basically what it is, or what we should be looking forward to. Might be only one battle or two. Uh, this episode, though, I, I was hoping we'd see a little more politics, or not necessarily a, a battle. Um, we did get a good battle. It certainly helped to redeem it, but I, I might give this a little bit lower of a grade than I did last week. Give last week a B. I give this a B minus, C plus, that range. Yeah. I agree. There's there's only five episodes left. Yeah. So, like, big things have to happen. Yeah, and, and that's probably part of it is you know, Game of Thrones has never really had the bottle episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept, but it's on, like, a sitcom, for instance. They'll do an episode that's all shot in one, in one location. Mm-hmm. They only usually use the main cast. And it's to save money for a later episode. And, and this is Game of Thrones' version of the bottle episode of not really using a ton. I mean, there's always expensive scenery and expensive characters to have. And, and you did have a lot of CGI in that last scene. But really, at leading up until there, I mean, really you had John in a room with a bunch of people, a bunch of extras, Cersei in a room with a bunch of extras, a couple recurring characters. So this could be that. Um to you know having from what we're told a few episodes are going to be long mm-hmm. so we could have you know this this scene that we saw in the preview of jamie versus the dragons with the mega crossbow so it'll be interesting to see how it goes um i think though hopefully this is the the end of the not thrilling episodes i think so it has to be um but you know, let us know what you think. Go check out the website, thunderblogsports.com. Tweet at us, ThunderBLG is the Twitter handle. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are both ThunderBlogsports. And uh, that'll do it for us. Any other thoughts? No. All if right. you want to check out my stuff, you can find it at thirdandgirl.com. On Twitter at thirdandgirl with underscores. And yeah. on Instagram without underscores. So Yeah. Nice plug there. Thanks. Lots yeah. of bachelor gifts, although I've really slacked on my recaps, but the gifts are still good. So. It's all these weddings. That's what I'll tell it. I know. Yeah, it's all the weddings. Get ready for paradise. So. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. But <laughs> that'll do it for us. For Emily Anderson, I am the G-Man, Jordy Kinnell. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.